Welcome to The Defiant Spirit, a podcast about meaning, purpose, and resilience. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, also known as B, and now let's discover your Defiant Spirit. Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Daniel A. Franz. Dr. Dan, for all of you who are more into that whole brevity thing, with my good friend, Baruch B. Halevi, Dr. Rabbi Baruch B. Halevi. So, so, so many titles between the two of us, man. So much for brevity. Brevity, right. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, people that listen to this podcast expect brevity in some places, like how long we go, but the in between these start and finish really doesn't have to be that way. B, I don't know, man. You and I have been uh, exchanging uh, e- uh, texts and emails back and forth this week. It's what the hell's going on in the world these days? Sorry, I'm on my wife's computer here. Got to make uh, some changes. Bottom line is, um, just as an aside, I'm in her office because she's thought that maybe being in the divine feminine space that she's created will will help us become more sophisticated and mature and wise. And so we'll see how that plays out. Sophisticated, mature, and wise. Three things I don't think either of us aspire to whatsoever. But... <laughs> Maybe, maybe the divine feminine will help us uh, achieve that against our own goodwill. A little, little osmosis can't hurt. Yeah. So let's get into, you know, this thing you and I have been batting around for, well, quite some time. I think everybody can relate to this topic. And that is, um, well, it's a fancy word and it's not so hard to understand, but let's throw out the fancy word first. Nihilism. The heck is nihilism? Well, uh, for those of you who are fans of the Big Lebowski, I mean, there are nihilists throughout the entire movie that they uh, kind of make a mockery of in some ways. And it's a pretty good mockery. Um, the, the movie itself is a good character caricature of some of the philosophies we talk about. But nihilism in our world today, just people don't give a damn. Yeah, it's good. the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the official explanation I read in Wikipedia or somewhere. But Wikipedia. Yeah. And it's this, um, you know, this is at the core of logotherapy for those of you who tune in because you want, you know, more logotherapy. It's the Holocaust, right? That is the ultimate expression of nihilism, not the only expression, but at least the one out of which our teacher, mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl wrote. It's the absolute cynical base level of human existence that we are all reducible down to you know, our genetics, the color of our skin, the, well, I've been writing about it. It's kind of, it's kind of horrifying, but I think it's important to put out there. I've been writing a book about Viktor Frankl and um, doing some research. And one of the things the Nazis did was they tried to quantify a human being to get as much utilitarian value out of them as they could. Did you know that a human body has enough fat in it for seven bars of soap? Did you know there's enough skin on a human body for a lampshade? Did you know there's enough iron in a, your blood for to make three one-inch nails? Mm-hmm. And so this is nihilism. This is the, the horrors of humanity right there. Yeah, and in our world today, we're experiencing that as mass shootings and riots and violent protests and it is the opposite that everything Dr. Frankel and the Meaning Academy and we as individuals stand for. But we seem to be, and, and, I, and I would argue most people that would listen to a podcast like this, probably the opposite of what you stand for, 
But in some ways, we are fighting an uphill battle. Uh, as good our, our, our good friend Jonathan Pajo points out um, in his series called The End of the World, quite, quite honestly, we are facing the end of an era, maybe the end of how we have experienced civilization for the past couple hundred years. Yeah, it's scary. Ends are always scary. And um, I think that he's right that we are experiencing an end. However, you know, it was Paul Harvey who said in times like these, there have always been times like these. So I feel like it's just so important. And that's, you know, don't don't turn that dial yet, listener, because I don't want you. We don't want you walking away thinking, oh, God, hell's hell in a handbasket. It's over. No, Victor Frankl reminded us that in times like these, there are always times like these. And we have a choice. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the point. We have a choice. Yeah, we don't want you to think Dr. D and Rabbi B went all nihilistic on you as well. We, we, we do have solutions here. But in order to get to the solutions, I mean, I think we need to look at the problem because I believe we are all feeling it in some way, right? This sense of, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we can just take the past week, right? I mean, Super Bowl, American holiday in some ways, whether you like the teams that were playing or not, most people get together, have a little feast, enjoy kind of the reprieve from the everyday. And then the results of that in a celebration prayed two or three people that were still waiting for a final count go and and shoot the place up and we're experiencing that way too often this sense of nihilism and of course many people resort to the solution of well you know if we didn't have guns we wouldn't have these problems and i i, I agree in some ways but i want to argue and supersede that if we actually started to take care of each other's mental health maybe we wouldn't have these problems. Um, going back to Pajot's work, if we actually developed a sense of community and truly had a community instead of being isolated, um, isolated, here's, here's an oxymoron, um, isolated in what is the most connected culture in all of human history. How is that possible? It's, it's like a Zen koan. It's hard to wrap your head around how we've never been more connected while disconnected. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, that's what inspired. I don't inspires the opposite word. That's what, um, you know, yanked at our heartstrings and our pulled on our pulled on our noetic, you know, soulful place in us that watching the post Super Bowl shooting. And that was just right after the Sunday it was the Sunday before where a shooter walks into Joel Osteen's church down in Lakewood Church in Houston and shot up a church service. I mean, it's just heartrending and breaking. And there's, I think you and I both agree, there's no quick fix. It's not a gun problem. I don't want to get into politics. It's not a gun problem. It's not a, a, a trans problem. It's not a Palestine problem. These are all symptoms that we, did, we need to deal with these things on the surface. But last week alone just showed you such a diverse demographic of people who have turned who have gone nihilistic mm -hmm. and just um, and just violated this 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 trust that we place in each other that we can go to Super Bowl celebrations and we can go to church services and we can go to schools and we can be safe and so we got to get to the root of this thing and I, and I do I do believe that that's what you and I have sought to do with the Meaning Academy is to deal with root causes and not busy ourselves at the surface with all these symptoms. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. You know, I, I think about our history together and how many podcasts like this we've recorded 
where we start out looking at the events of the week and we get together and we say, what the hell is going on? And we usually come to the same answer, the same conclusions, right? Nihilism exists in the world. But I think um, maybe we have some new ideas today because I know uh, both you and I, again, I'm going to continue to refer to uh, Pajot's series and I'm sure we'll get some Peterson out of here. Um, but the idea that like, you know, in times like these, there have been times like these, he does a great job chronicling throughout history. And I think we know anybody that's been studied just a little bit of history knows that every great empire eventually falls, whether it's the ancient Sumerians or the Greeks or the Romans. And we may be looking, we are looking at the symptoms of the fall of a culture of a society, right? When, uh, as he says, when, when the hierarchy is turned upside down, when, uh, I think he uses that stranger term, the stranger things term the upside down. He does a much better job defining it. I highly recommend looking at it. But we are living in this time where many of us are questioning reality. And many people live in their own prescribed reality that is outside objective reality. Mm -hmm. And that can be confusing and give many of us this sense of why bother? Well, that's damn near close to nihilism. So you have to bother, you have to pay attention, you have to try to do something different. And B, I would argue with one thing you said, there is no quick answer. I disagree, there is a quick answer. There's an, I don't know if it's easy, but it's quick. Um, and again, it comes from some of Pajol's lectures, but a lot of what we know, a lot of what we do, it comes from actually finding and becoming a member and caring about a community. Well, I, I mean, I agree, we're saying the same thing because I would say it's simple it's not easy. It's not quick. It's simple. It's not simplistic, but it's simple. And, and, and to say it in one word, I think Frankel sums it all up in responsibility, take responsibility because I was just asked to do, uh, be a part of some panel or whatever, um, a group effort. I don't even know what it is yet, but on new earth, creating a new earth. And I've looked at the, this, um, the titles that many of the speakers are presenting and it's all about, all these big macro changes. And mine is Victor Frankl's, there is no macro change. There's only micro change. You can't change the world. You can just change yourself. And you can't even change yourself. You can just change your response. Mm -hmm. But in changing your response, you change your behavior. In changing your behavior, you change your habits. In changing your habits, you change your personality. In changing your personality, you change yourself. And then you start to have a bigger effect on those around you. When you start to change your attitude in a more positive, more responsible, more meaningful direction, again, those micro changes will eventually affect your, your whole being. It will affect your family, those around you. And hopefully, God willing, that affects your community and it grows from there. But it does start with each individual. We need to stop blaming the guns. We need to stop blaming the mental health. We need to stop blaming the government. We need to stop blaming everything else and take personal responsibility. Where can I have a better impact in, in, in my house, in my home, in my family, in my community? The time for blame is over. It's not working. We see it too often in the, in the public sphere. And, and it's just too easy. I do it too, to turn on the news, to get irate, yeah. to start saying they to start placing the, you know, I heard somebody was blaming the politicians for the shooting, mm-hmm. right? This is just simplistic and we've got to get back to the basics. And so for Frankel, I see there's two sides of the same coin and maybe we can get into that. On the one hand, responsibility means me, mm-hmm. right? On the other hand, we know that the pinnacle for Frankel isn't me, it's we. 
It's self-transcendence. Mm -hmm. And so you can't have one without the other. But I see this, you know, my upbringing in the Jewish community, Jews were disproportionately represented when I was growing up in social causes, feminism mm -hmm. and human rights of all kinds. And, you know, there's a term for it in Hebrew. It's called tikkun olam, fix the world. It's great. I don't, I'm thrilled. But you can't run around fixing the world while your own house is on fire. Right. Right. And ah. so, yes, you've got to fix your house. I mean, you got to fix the world, but you got to first fix your house. Yep. Or if to quote uh, one of our um, idols, the good Dr. Jordan P. B. Peterson, just make your bed. Right? Make Quit trying bed. to change the world until you can make your bed and set your world in perfect order. Right. Again, it comes back to that personal responsibility. Take care of your world. Take care of yourself. Respond more positively and you'll have a you'll have a better impact on the world. But you can't sit there and say, well, if they did this differently and they fix that while you're laying in bed and not being a productive member of society, you know, being an angry partner, being a, you know, whatever it might be right there. We all have our vices, but if we turned inward and took personal responsibility and made responsible choices, meaningful decisions and responsible actions, we can have a change. I want to, you know, you and I did not start this week out going back and forth about Kansas City. We actually, if you'll remember, see, it's funny. Side note, you know, B, you talk about, well, when I turn on the news, I say, oh, whatever. As you know, I don't even bother turning on the news anymore. I just wait for, my, for a text from you. And I'm like, ah, sh here it goes. What's, what's B watching now that I need to pay attention to? And then it goes through a filter of, well, are you going to send me a link or are you just going to complain in my text stream? Usually there's a link involved. I'm going to be like one of those old dudes in the nursing home yelling at the TV, right? <laughs> I'll be uh, right next to you just so I can hear you complain. Our so, wife and Ray Park is there together. Yeah. <laughs> if we're not careful, that may happen this year. So one of the things we started the week talking about, you found this, I, I think it was again a daily, uh, it was an article you found, um, which I did some research, it actually turned out to be a seven-year-old article that was then brought back up by uh, Daily Wire Plus about the red pill people, the the men of the red pill group. What the, where the heck did you find that? Because I, I went pretty deep and was, uh, they talk about something called the manosphere. And it was, uh, dude, I, I couldn't shower long enough after reading that. I felt so dirty. Um, Andrew Tate, he's one of those guys in it, if anybody knows Andrew Tate. And, you know, this is back to our defense of male masculine spirituality. We're not talking about toxic masculinity. You and I are opposed to toxic masculinity if what we mean by that is the red pill or the manosphere. So the red pill idea comes from the famous movie, The Matrix. Lots of great ideas came from that movie. And if, you know, our listeners recall in that movie, Morpheus, the sort of sage, asks Neo, the protagonist, do you want to wake up and take the blue pill or do you want to go back to sleep and take the red pill? And the red pill means you just go back to numbing, to get yours, get it now, satisfy your base needs and don't worry about anybody else because there's no point in life, aka nihilism. And so this movement has developed, I don't think it was a conscious movement, but it's turned into one, which is especially not only because we saw it with a shooter last week who was a woman um, down in uh, Texas. Uh, so, but, but it's predominantly men who have gravitated towards this nihilistic, what's the point anyways? So screw it. I'll get mine at all costs. And that's what this red pill 
people thing is. Yeah, and it's made up of uh, what I would call disgruntled boys um, who are chronologically the age of men. And what do I mean by that? It's a bunch of uh, uh, males in the 20 to 30, maybe even 40 year old range who really seem not to have matured past, you know, taking responsibility for their actions, blaming others if they may have been, you know, uh, um, uh, shunned in love of a particular woman. Uh, they turn to anger rather than turning to, as <laughs> again, to quote the good Dr. Peterson, quit looking for the perfect partner and become a partner somebody else wants to have. And too often these gentlemen were engaging in, I wouldn't call them gentlemen, that's a misnomer, right? We're engaging in this anger of just wanting to get theirs, of objectifying women. And, uh, you know, fortunately through the article that I read, the, the individual that started the group eventually realized the danger of what he was doing and now seems to be in a committed relationship. But it, it just, it was really disturbing to hear this anonymous vitriol against women. And there's no place for that. But but it's not a it's not a female thing. I mean, it's not a male thing or a female thing. It's a we thing because mm -hmm. we're all, you know, not we're all. There's lots of different expressions of this in our world today. And it comes down to what Frank Dr. Frankel would, you know, refer to. Actually, Dr. Edith Eager, his student, would refer to as victims. Mm -hmm. We're victims. And victim, by definition, is powerless. And if we're powerless, well, then there's no agency and there's no point and we give up. So we have give up-itis going on all around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sad that give up-itis is the opposite of taking responsible action. We talked about that in last week's uh, meeting of our meaning seekers uh, on the Your Search for Meaning platform, right? This idea that are you a victim or are you a victor? And that comes down, our belief is that it comes down to a choice. We all have bad things happen to us life in life. We will all be subject to Dr. Frankel's tragic triad of pain, guilt, and death. And we can all turn, the, we can suffer from those and be a victim, or we can choose to find human achievement in, in our suffering, in our pain. We can choose to, to allow guilt to motivate us to become better, to change our behavior, to make amends. And we can recognize that we're all going to die and embrace the transitoriness of life and go out and quit complaining and do something amazing. All right? We all are going to deal with this, but our attitudes, our choices will define whether we're a victim or a victor. So one of the things Jonathan Peugeot, is that how you say his name? Peugeot. That's how I say it. I don't know. <laughs> you can say it a different way. Hey, you're the, you're the wordsmith, man. Go ahead. You can tell us the origin of Peugeot. Peugeot is French for, I don't know. Um, so what he says is very important because in his documentary, it's not cynical. It's actually hopeful. Mm -hmm. If, if we hinge on this word of ending, because ending isn't a bad thing. Ending of one thing is a beginning of something else. And, you know, we live in this binary world where it's either or it's either, you know, alive or dead. You're conscious, you're unconscious. I talked to a friend of mine who's a, um, I just blanked on the term, the anesthesiologist. And when he's putting people under, he said, there's no such thing as conscious or unconscious. It's a ladder of consciousness, right? You, there's rungs of this thing. It's not like there's a beginning and an end, just like the universe it doesn't begin and end. It's, And so if we can get back to this place of, well, yes, yeah, some things are coming to an end, but that doesn't mean we have to grip, white knuckle it, terrified, hold on. It can be, okay, 
and what was on the other side of this thing. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about the the, the conclusion that I just watched uh, this morning before getting back to you. He says, you know, the end is a call for a new beginning. He says, be the one who sows a seed of something new. And I was like, man, hey, okay, a little self-righteous there. I'm like, yeah, that's what we're doing at the Victor Frankl Media Academy. But also, that's what we want to inspire other people to do, too. If we recognize, you know, and, and I think we do, we recognize there's difficulty in the world. Things are changing. Things are ending. But that could be the right. It could be the possibility for destruction. Who knows? It could be horrible. But I prefer to take a more hopeful, uh, noetic view of this idea that, like, man, that could be a new beginning, and we can be a part of that. We can sow seeds that help people move forward in a meaningful direction. And, and let's bring this home because we just said you can't fix the world. You can only, you know, work on your. I would say you fix yourself. You just return to your true self. But how do we do that personally? And I'm going to drop an etymology bomb on you so i have to do one every time or else oh, man. Man. i can't go on with my weekend if you don't my etymology references are to me what are, are to dan what his uh cardians are to me i'm always disappointed when you're not bringing one in so um <laughs> so the hebrew word mosh bear means crisis and it's also the word for birth and that's because you know still to this day the day a woman gives birth to a child is the most dangerous day in her life up until that point and it's a dangerous act and on the other side of that danger comes something new right and there's no risk there's risk with it but it's it's worthy that's why i imagine we keep doing it and so like what in our lives feels like it's a crisis that's coming to an end but if we're willing like to go through it and go through those birth pains you know um, there, there's a birth on the other side. I got to say this um, office, maybe it's doing, it's working, it's soft magic on me. Yeah. So I'm going to, I love that idea, right? That is truly beautiful that through, you know, through crisis, we, we, we can turn it into something beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to take back the toxic masculinity from your um, divine femininity there and say mosh bear in, in the English language I, actually means a grizzly at a heavy metal concert. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> we're not getting that right mosh bear uh okay, so okay. Is emergency to emerge to emerge to emerge from the mosh pit to listen to the good music no um that you're exactly right and then i think throughout logotherapy throughout philosophy theology psychology we we see that we talk about that constantly and it's very true um so, so give us one an example in your life dr d an emergency that you emerged from a crisis that became a birth i'm going through it right now What's right. Uh, uh, you know, my, my wife's struggling with some health issues and that crisis has certainly brought us closer together. When I get done here, we get to take a little drive to uh, to visit a, a, a doctor in the next town over. We're going to meet some friends for lunch and, and just make a good time out of it. Um, and, and I would say this to any couple. Right. Crisis in a marriage crisis in your relationship is an opportunity to draw closer to put the difficulties of the past, the minor insignificant disagreements behind and say, wow, I forgot. I am called to, to be this with this person, to sacrifice for this person and uh, to put my life uh, or to put her life ahead of mine. And if we had more men out there doing that, well, we wouldn't have so, I believe we wouldn't have so many broken families, mental health issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or, or let me take the other side of that for any of our listeners, because sometimes the the crisis is an ending and it's, mm -hmm. you know what, this isn't my 
path. This isn't my person. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's uh, it's time for a divorce. And there is a time and a place for endings. And so it's about moving forward and saying there's an opportunity here. You know, the, I've counseled somebody recently, the empty nest proved to them that that chapter of their life is over and they're not each other's other. And it's time to let it go because when because holding on was destroying them and their kids. Mm. Well, B, I trust your couple's coaching ability with all of your experience. I want to dive into that and just argue with you about saving a marriage. But I again, I know you know when something needs to have an end. But in those endings, you know, there's there is a new beginning, yeah. together or apart. Um, so it's not about the outcome in my, in my experience or, or you know, it's not about what you do. It's why you do it. Are you running? This is what, you know, Dr. Frankel talks a lot about. Mm -hmm. Is it freedom from or freedom to, mm -hmm. are you running from something or are you moving towards something? And that to me is the litmus test for leaving a marriage, leaving a job, leaving a town, whatever it is. Like mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong in the outcome if it's built on, you know, the foundation of good intentions. Yeah, there are, you know, every decision, every choice has its consequences, positive and negative. When we choose meaningfully, ideally, we have more positive consequences. And that's not always easy to discern. What does it mean to make a meaningful decision? Sometimes you can do that on your own. Sometimes you need time and a little bit of liminal space, some prayer and meditation to figure that out. Sometimes you need to enlist the help of a trusted friend, expert, or guide like us at the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. Um, but uh, it, it can be difficult sometimes to make that decision. And as you say, we have to weigh the black and the white and sometimes dance in the gray and recognize there isn't always an easy and obvious answer. However, bringing it back to when it comes to the nihilism we are experiencing in this world, there are some easy answers. Um, again, the ones we prescribe constantly be uh, seek meaningful activity creative experiential choose your attitudes meaningfully seek self-transcendence um, and i want to go a little farther uh, again we keep bringing up pajo i'm going to bring him up again um, we definitely are both subscribers to daily wire plus it's a little bit of a politically leaning website but i tell you what between everything they've got from dr peterson and, and some of the other shows on there it is well worth wading through if, you, if you're apolitical or on a different side you can wade through it and just get some of the goodness of these different lectures i highly recommend it but pajo offers some solutions to the nihilism we're experiencing right now and one of the ones again this is where i kind of cheered for us was to build community mm. right we both have more listeners to our podcasts than we currently have in the victor frankel meaning academy your search for meaning Right. If you recognize your lack, and I just talked to an individual earlier um, this week who said, you know, I'm definitely interested in coming on board because I miss, I'm missing this sense of community. Yeah. And, and it's sad to, you know, we have opportunity for community in our lives, but because we're so disconnected, we're missing it. So to build community. So that's at the heart of the red pill, um, what is it called? Red pill men or red pill. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it, that's memory. And this is, um, this is, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about it. The Bible talks about it. It's in the Garden of Eden. There's only one thing that's not good. Everything's good, except it's not good to be lonely, mm. right? That's the one thing that's named as not good. And if you look at shooters and if you look at the nihilist, all kinds of nihilists, 
that's a common thread is loneliness. Yeah. And so that's the answer. So obviously the antidote to loneliness is, is not to be lonely, is to be together because you can still be in a crowd and be lonely. It's right where I was going. So it's and that's, right I think that's where we're at as a culture and a society. We are all in a crowd of connectivity and Facebook, Twitter, internet, all that kind of stuff. But we are so damn lonely. That's not, you know, being in a crowd isn't, isn't community. Connecting with people, connecting with like-minded people, seeking self-improvement, responsibility, meaning, all of these things. That's community. I was counseling a guy the other day and he's going through hell and back. Mm -hmm personally for you know health wise professionally his marriage is in shambles and i said to him so you you talk to your buddies about this he's like no i'm like wait you have golfing buddies you've been golfing with forever you don't talk to them no you have poker buddies no you you go hunting with your buddies no then they're buddies they're not friends right that's the crowd it, that is a lonely place to be when you can't turn to the guy next to you and say i'm struggling that's yeah. a lonely place Amen, man. We, and you and I talk about this so often um, as, as men, and I'm sure as women too, but I'm going to speak from the male experience. We have so many acquaintances. We have buddies. We go golfing together. You pointed out a while back, you know, we sit at a bar together facing the same TV. We go fishing together. We do things together. But if you can't turn to that person and be like, man, my life's a mess, man. How do you do this? How do you handle it? They're not friends. And we need men and I would assume women too, but I can't speak from their perspective, but we certainly need more friendship, more, you know what? I'll say women too, right? Because I've come across many women that I've, I've worked with and coached and counseled that are missing that sense of community. We all need it. We need better community. And that's one of the solutions to the nihilism we are currently experiencing. The other one, and this will be, be uh, I know you're going to take this one and run, man. So the other one that really hit me in, in Pajot's solutions to the end of the world is this idea of tell better stories. And uh, we have railed against some of the uh, bastardizations of, of ancient, historical, mythological, hero-based stories in modern times. Um, those stories that we've been telling for centuries have a purpose, have an important purpose of reminding us of where we've come from, where we're going, and how to get there. So true. So good. There's a Kabbalistic saying that says, what is truer than the truth? The story we tell about the truth, mm. right? Like your, your past is your past. It's the story you tell about it that, you know, has import and impact on your life. So tell a better story. Or I remember reading a long time ago, a book called whoever tells the best story wins. Mm. Right. And so we got to tell better stories and that's what the, you know, the meaning Academy is doing. That's what your search for meaning, which is our program. There's all about, it's telling a better story, telling a truer story, not the one that's facts on paper. You know, people say to me all the time, what's up with these myths that you talk about the Garden of Eden? Do you believe in walking, talking snakes? No, everything I say is true. Some of it happened. And the myth is true. Some of it happened. Some of it didn't. But the myth stands, right? And the story stands and we got to tell better stories. The story stands. I love it. That was one of the things he talked about is when we tell a story, um, it's pretty boring if everything just starts out great, works perfectly, and there's a happy ending. That's no damn story, man. That's just, that's boring, right? So there's difficulty, there's crisis, there's trial and tribulation. There is sin in our stories. And that's part of the difficulties we're facing in the world right now. We, you know, in looking at our origin stories, where we came from, we are trying to erase any 
sin, any struggle, any poor choices people made. And in doing that, we forget that those that came before us made mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And we cannot expect ourselves to be perfect either. So to recognize those origin stories and recognize, as he says, the sins of our fathers encourages us. It mandates that we try to do better. And to celebrate them, not to go out of your way. Dr. Franco would never say, go out of your way to cause suffering. Then there's no meaning in it. That's just Mm -hmm. masochism. But um, to enter into those sins, those struggles, the darkness of past, of present, and find the meaning and turn it around like you're talking about. And so I think that that is what's been lost. And that's what we got to find if we're going to stop this red pill syndrome and wake up mm-hmm. and you know take the blue pill. Yeah, there's there's a great red pill story that he tells to to end the entire series. Um, and, and this go, you know, you and I talk a lot about stories, and mythology and the hero's journey. And we, and we pull out a lot of biblical stories. Why? Because they're some of our longest running well-recognized stories. Now there's stories and myths that went into those stories and myths and our friend, Dr. Peterson highlights some of those. But for those of you that listen to us and think, well, these two knuckleheads just take the Bible for exactly what it's worth. It's like, no, nobody can do that, right? That's just, that's poor form, right? The Bible is full, full of great stories that are built upon previous mythologies that really tell us about our history as a civilization and as human beings. And one of the stories that, going back to Pajot, this will be my last story, but I'm sure B will top it. Um, he talks about Noah's Ark, right? So Noah, you know, the story that he busts his tail to save his family and humanity. He works really hard creating this thing and, and saving all the animals. Now, do I believe there was a really an ark? I know there's one in Kentucky, I think, that they rebuilt. But was there one several thousand years ago? I don't know. I doubt it. But I think, you know, could have been. But I take the allegory, the metaphor of the story that, you know, you're supposed to work really hard to save your community, to save your place, that there is sin in the world and it eventually will wipe itself out or that which is greater than us. It's called God in the Bible will will smite us if we don't get our acts together. But after Noah goes through all this hard work, all this labor, he stops to celebrate. And, uh, well, if you remember, B, he, he kind of overdoes it. His first act after parking the ark, he pulls in, er, puts it in the parking spot and says, man, I am going to grow me some grapes and drink some wine and relax. And he overdoes it. And his sons find him. And uh, they find him in his nakedness. And one son goes, oh, dad made himself sick. And the other boys say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We We have to cover him. Not cover his sins, but take care of his integrity and learn from his sins, not overdo it, to celebrate what we did, but not uh, not go too far. B, you got other interpretations to Noah and the ark and his drunkenness? Wow, Father Dan, that was impressive. Yes. Well, thank you. I'll get my collar out. Wow, <laughs> I, I, I get that one well. No, but it was impressive. No. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you gave me just a little bit of hope, B. <laughs> It was good. It was good. You know, I don't know how I feel about these stories as facts. I don't really think about it as facts. I don't care. It's it's true because, you know, the word for Ark is Teva and Teva means word. It means speech. And and what was lost was humanity's ability to communicate. I mean, and that's what Pajot was talking about partially in his documentaries. We've lost, we were talking, but we're not communicating. 
right? And they're not the same thing. And we don't hear each other. We're not listening. We hear. We don't, we don't see one another, right? We're just looking. And so, you know, that story to me is what happens when the world's in chaos because we're not seeing, we're not communicating, and we're just talking at. And to me, that's the redemption. That's the that's the way out. And that's why we've created the, your search for meaning in the Marini Academy. So we can have a place, a space where we can rebuild the arc, rebuild the conversation. Yeah. Well, I wanted to take that into the whole Tower of Babel story, right? When When we think we are better than that which is above us, when we think that we are our own ultimate authority, um, we stop communicating. We learn the ability, or lose the ability to communicate, and we start missing each other. And that's similar to where we're at now in some ways. We start babbling. That's Tower we of start Babel. Babbling. That's, yeah. Um, and so to go back to that was that was three biblical stories in one podcast. You're welcome. Um, but I, I think that also, you know, one of the things through that series he points out is when we lose that connection to our ancient stories, when we lose truly that connection to the Bible, come on. If you think there should be a literal interpretation, you're missing the point. And you're maybe not, I don't know, you're missing the point. There's a lot of good wisdom there. And I think more of us need to steep ourselves in some of that ancient wisdom from, from different sources. Because when we think we are our own ultimate authority, we are destined to fall from that tower. So I'll end with a non-biblical story because I don't want people to think uh, we're Bible thumpers. I certainly gave up that route. Um and I'd look at Peter Pan. I've been teaching this one to guys in a men's group because Peter Pan is the boy who doesn't want to grow up and live in with the lost boys and never, never land. And, you know, finishing how we started, the red pill boys are just lost boys living in never, never land. It's time to grow up, time to take responsibility. That's the that's the way out of Neverland. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I'll take that a step further and go back into the Disney lore. We know this isn't just Disney, but the story of Pinocchio who wanted to, to be a real boy and he needed a couple mentors. He needed that spark. He needed people giving his guidance. And, you know, if you're a lost boy, um, find that guidance, find that spark, find that mentor, the Geppetto you can go to and be your looking a little Geppetto-ish today. I'd say you'd be a pretty good mentor for some of these lost boys. Um, but again, you know, we, we've hyped it a lot. Come join us at the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. Take a look at your search for meaning. Uh, we had our first get together uh, last week. It was, it was, it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, it was really, it far exceeded my expectations for a gathering of like-minded people. And uh, we're doing it again next week, Wednesday, the, I don't know. So, uh, let me throw out a, an honest date here for those listening. Before. Wednesday, the 21st. 8 p.m. Eastern, hop on board. We are talking about just what we talked about today. How would I respond? Am I a victim or a victor? We'll, we'll go in-depth to those ideas and, and talk about how to be a victor over some of these things that victimize us today. So jump over to TheMeaningAcademy.com where you can see right there your search for meaning under the program section and you can sign up and we'll see you there. I guess it's probably a good place to sign off. So until we see you the next time, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. See you Take then. care. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Levy. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant